All right, hockey fans, listen up because we've got something special cooked up for playoff season. It's called the Daily Faceoff Playoff Parlay Challenge, and it's going to add some serious spice to your playoff experience. Now, here's the deal every playoff game, you're going to be faced with a handful of questions. It's like your own personal playoff puzzle, and it's free to join. And there are prizes because who doesn't love winning stuff? Daily winners, you're getting hooked up with gift cards. Treat yourself to some nation gear or maybe even your favorite jersey. And for the big dogs, the people who can win an entire round, it's straight, cold, hard cash. We're talking about real dough for your hockey knowledge. So lace up those skates, stretch those thumbs, and get ready to show off your hockey IQ in the daily face-off playoff parlay challenge. Sign up today and play every game day at games.dailyfaceoff.com and prove your puck prowess. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates, like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Afternoon. How are you? Welcome to the first episode of the Jason Greger Show in 2024. Hope you had a great Christmas and holidays and Happy New Year. Hopefully it was awesome. Spent uh, time uh, with family or without. I guess depends which makes you happier. Friends, uh, maybe you went on a trip. Who knows? Uh, maybe you're uh, watching uh, lots of sports. Uh, there is no shortage of it. No shortage of it at all over the uh, holiday season. And, of course, the Edmonton Orders are back in action tonight at home when they take on the Philadelphia Flyers. Orders looking to win their sixth in a row, but it won't be easy. The uh, Flyers have been one of the most pleasant surprises in the National Hockey League. They come in with a record of 19-12-5. They don't give up a ton of goals. That's uh, That has been their forte. Their power play is terrible, though, at 10.5%. 10.5% on the uh, power play for the Philadelphia Flyers, but their penalty kills good uh, defense. That's their bread and butter. They don't give up a ton. They work incredibly hard. And, uh, you know, hey, this is a team the owners can beat, no question. But they're going to have to, uh, they're going to have to work for it. This is not going to be an Anaheim Ducks team where the owners beat for fun and, and score six goals for fun. Uh, as we saw on uh, Sunday night, Warren Fogle having the game of his life. Five points. Uh, first time in his career to ever have a five point game. All five at even strength becomes only the eighth oiler all time to have a game with five even strength points. And uh, he and Sam Gagne are the only two guys to do it since 1987 when Gretzky did it for the final time. Of course, he owns the uh, franchise record 22 games where uh, Gretzky had five even strength points or more. Connor McDavid's never had one. Leon Drysaddle's never had one. So uh, Warren Fogle can uh, have bragging rights. Amongst his uh, teammates about that. 
on the show today. It's uh, good to be back. I'm Jason Greger. Connor Halley is with us. Con man, I haven't worked together for about 10 days. How you doing? How uh, was uh, Christmas and holidays and everything in between? It was good. It was good, Gregor. Very busy. Lots to get to. And uh, yeah, went very well. Hope yours did as well. It was fun. Yeah, we had uh, a great time. Uh, just you know, Christmas is uh, in the Gregor household. It's pretty low key, which is nice. Um, just, you know, close, immediate family and Nothing, uh, there's no drama there, which is nice. Uh, play a few fun games. Had the horse racing game, big hit with the fam this year. So that's nice. And, uh, you know, Santa Claus tracker for, uh, my son gets everybody fired up. And then, uh, you know, boxing day with some extended family, which is nice. And, uh, played in a hockey tournament in, in Beaumont. And, uh, big, sh- I do want to say a big shout out to, uh, the, uh, the organizers of that tournament. It's the, the Philippo. It's the 25th annual. Philippo was a, a young man from Beaumont who, uh, who passed away unexpectedly in a car accident on his way to, uh, university back in, uh, in the early nineties. Awful. And, uh, they had, uh, a U11 tournament, uh, starting in, uh, 1998, uh, ever since. And, uh, there's 25 teams in the tournaments, uh, you know, lots of different tiers, a lot of fun. But the, uh, the ice plant at the, uh, the Ken Nickel, uh, formerly the BRAC, uh, in one of the ice services went down. So they had to move all the things around. So the organizers did a great job. And a uh, big shout out to the Silent Ice uh, Sports Entertainment Facility because uh, they uh, agreed to host some of the games so the kids wouldn't have to miss any of their games. And, and that facility, it's brand new. And uh, we got to play two games in there and the kids were just beside themselves. They're like, this is an NHL arena because it has the individual seats, not just the, uh, the bench seating. And so for young kids, that's what they equate to an NHL arena. But it was, uh, it was awesome. So we had a lot of fun there and, uh, made it all the way to the final, lost it, but played four games in 21 hours. So the kids, uh, the fact that they, uh, had any gas left in the tank was pretty fun, but, uh, it was great. And so I had did that. And then, uh, New Year's, I've never been a big New Year's guy con. So, uh, you know what? I was think I was in the wrapper by 10 o'clock to be honest on, uh, on New Year's. So, uh, but uh, a lot of ODR time, uh, over the holidays, which was great. Yeah, I mean, the older I get, the the appeal of staying up till midnight is less and less. We made it this year, but I don't know how much longer that'll go on for. Potentially start to celebrate maybe the East Coast New Year's Eve. Uh, good, good the ODR time. Like you gotta you gotta get as much of that as you can oh, right now, especially with the weather. Be, like yeah. I know it's gonna get colder soon here, which is great for that. Hopefully not too cold, but uh, yeah, same sort of thing for us on New Year's. Very low key this year. So, yes, it is the uh, Jason Greger Show, as always, presented by PlayAlberta.ca, Alberta's only regulated online gambling website, where 100% of the revenue stays right here in our lovely province of Alberta. And uh, you can play there. And, hey, a uh, big shout-out to the uh, the lady in Yellowhead County who won a million dollars at PlayAlberta.ca. Woo! <laughs> nice. Good for her. Um, got a lot of texts coming in already. 833-401-1440. There's lots to talk about. The orders are on a roll again. Did you know the Edmonton orders are the first team in the NHL to have multiple five-game winning streaks? Of course, they have the uh, season high of eight this year. Vegas uh, won seven. A uh, few teams have won six. Uh, the orders are the only team so far to have won five in a row twice. Of course, if they win tonight, then there'll be uh, there'll be eight streaks of six games or more and the orders will own two of them because they'll have won eight games and uh, six games and the month of january we talked about this before i went on the christmas break man it sets up really well for the Edmonton orders they have not a lot of tough games and they have lots of rest in between there's no back-to-backs the orders only play on tuesdays thursdays and saturdays this month so adjust your schedule accordingly you're gonna have lots of downtime as an order fan 
They play tonight, then they don't play till Saturday. Then it's Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday, Tuesday, Thursday, Saturday. And then the order's final game is January 27th. They don't play again until February 6th due to the bye week and the all-star game overlapping one another. Now, McDavid obviously will be in the all-star game. I think uh, there's, you know, Leon Dreisaitl has a chance, uh, Evan Bouchard, Zach Hyman. The order's got, you know, four guys who have a legit shot to uh, to be in the all-star game uh, this year, I would think. So we'll see how it goes. But, you know, McDavid's obviously going. I think Evan Bouchard, pretty good chance he's going. Um, Leon Dreisaitl, it'd be hard to overlook him when you consider uh, forwards in the Pacific Division. But we'll see. Of course, they're, you know, I'm not a big fan of uh, of having one player from every team, but that's just me. Uh, to me, I would have the All-Star game, the best players, regardless of what team you're on. But that would just be me. On the show today, uh, Charlie O'Connor will join us. Uh, we'll talk about the Flyers, uh, one of the biggest pleasant surprises in the National Hockey League this year. Uh, Carter Hart, uh, now Emerson. They got uh, kind of a, a goalie duo. They've been splitting. Tonight, Carter Hart, uh, he'll start his ninth game in their last 18 because it's been a 50-50 split for the last 18 games in goal for the Philadelphia Flyers. Uh, we'll talk a little uh, NBA with Josh Lewenberg. The uh, Raptors had a big deal over the weekend. OG Ananobi is now a member of the Knicks. And the Toronto gets two pretty good players in this deal. Actually, I think I like this trade uh, long-term uh, for the Raptors. Uh, Sean Brown will be by in studio from 3 to 5 o'clock today. Uh, of course, Dave McCarthy always joins us at uh, 3.20 on Tuesdays. Uh, Ian Furness is going to join us. Uh, we're going to talk uh, NFL, NCAA, uh, NHL with him. The Seattle Kraken suddenly on a little bit of a roll. Winners of five in a row, including the first ever shutout in the outdoor game uh, yesterday over the Vegas Golden Knights. And don't look now, Warrior fans. The orders are 12 points back of Vegas, but they have four games in hand. I'm just saying. I don't think the way the orders are playing, it's not a lock that they're only going to be a wildcard team. We're not even at the halfway point of the season for the orders. I'm just saying. What do they got, 48 games left? It's a lot of time. They are, uh, they are making up ground. It's going to take a long time, don't get me wrong. And I know their schedule gets quite hectic in February, March, and April. But the Orders are a good team, and they are playing really well right now. Uh, Struddy will be by. Uh, Spec, uh, DVD, man, it is a loaded show. we got five questions. Also, uh, lots of texts coming in already. 833-401-1440 is where you can uh, text us. We are live in the Ewell studio, E-W-E-L dot C-A. Hey, Gregor, uh, how's the hair? How much longer until those flowing locks come off? How comfortable do you think the Oilers will be going to the playoffs with their current goaltending tandem, Cody in Calgary? Well, uh, Cody, the uh, oh, trust me, I'm uh, counting down the days, the uh, hair. Uh, because I wear a headset, you, you can't necessarily see the uh, full extent of it, but it's at that stage now where all it does is stand up on end on the uh, – on the power alleys. Of course, uh, right down the middle, there's nothing there, as you can see on uh, video screen, right? You see on the sides, it's pretty, uh, it's pretty plush. It's pretty full. But the, uh, the problem is, uh, at the back and the top, it just stands up. It's in that really awkward stage and it's awful. I went to a, a funeral today. Um, uh, my condolences, of course, to the entire Saddleweiser family. Uh, their father, Ray, passed away on Christmas Day, unfortunately. He was 90 years old, though. Hell of a life. What an, he was, uh, he was born in Austria. 
Think about this. He was born in 1933. Um, the first 12 years of his life, six of them were during the uh, Second World War. Not uh, not great. He lost his father when he was 12 in uh, 1945. Uh, and then uh, came to uh, Canada in, uh, in 1956. And uh, they moved, uh, they've lived on their farm just outside of Beaumont since 1959. They raised 11 children. Uh, my buddy Benny was the youngest of 11. And I uh, spent uh, many days at the at the Stadelweiser farm. And I can tell you, man, it was unreal. 11 kids in one house and Benny was the youngest. So obviously got to know a lot of his older siblings and saw quite a few of them today. And it was, their dad, Ray, was one of the strongest humans I've ever seen in my entire life. And he wasn't very big, but he was ridiculously strong. He was 85 years old. His son, Roy, was telling a story how at 85 years, five years ago, they were out of their big camping trip, and they got these stumps delivered to them. You know, normally cons, when you get firewood delivered, right, it's already comes cut. Well, they were just got stumps delivered. And they're, as they're figuring out, he grabs an axe and cuts it all himself at 85 years of age and just like cr- cutting it like a knife through butter. He was ridiculously strong. And uh, so uh, my condolences to the Stadelweiser. But my point today, Cody, was in church, you can't wear a hat. It's 2023 why, or 2024. Why? Why can't I wear a hat in church? What the hell's going on? This is a serious question. Can anybody give me a real reason why it's disrespectful to wear a hat in church? In 2024. Women can wear one. How is it a quality that men can't? But what is going on? So yeah, the uh, the flow was in full effect and I didn't like it at all. But I'm just saying, I brought up a question. If anybody can give me a good answer as to why it's, you know, so frowned upon to wear a hat. I know I'm talking ball cap. I have a nice dressy hat. I have a toque. You can't wear it in church. What the hell's going on? Women can wear a hat. Why can't men? Thought we're about equality. It's 2024. This is a real travesty that needs to be looked at. Who told you to take the hat off? Well, nobody told me to take it off, but nobody wears a hat in church. I just have kind of known it, so I didn't wear it. Like, I had my toque. I carried it in my pocket. I didn't wear it. I wore it right to the door, and then I took it off when I went in. Then the minute I was out, I put it back on. But I just think that... Uh, like, I thought about doing it, but I'm like, first of all, it's a funeral, so I definitely don't want to be the, you know, to do it. But it's a, it's a question. I'm curious. It's 2024. I think we should be able to wear hats in church. I'm just saying. I'm with you. Like, if, if you need me to take my hat off during the sermon, no problem. Like the anthem, I get that. But why can't I wear a hat any other time? Especially like a fancy hat. Yeah, and, and people say, well, it's blinders. respectful. Okay, but if you're saying it's respectful, Tom, why can women wear it but not men? That's my question. I want people to wear hats at my funeral. Yeah, like you get some of those bowler hats. Like there's some really classy hats. I'm not talking like an oil-stained ball cap. <laughs> talking a classy hat. Just saying. Kind of completes the outfit for some as well. Hey, Greg's my pastor wears his hat at church, and so do I, Greg. Well, that's fantastic, Greg. See, maybe, and maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm the one who doesn't know that the rules have changed. But no one else had one on. Right, was the first thing I looked at, I was like, hey, can I get away with this? But I was like, mm. who knows? But I do think it's well past time in 2024. If women are allowed to wear hats in church, so should men. I'm just saying. Right? If we want equality, what the hell's going on here, man? We got to speak up.
sometimes. We're getting screwed over. We're getting real screwed over. It's a real serious one, okay? Real serious. Well, maybe not that serious. But nonetheless. Hey, guys, do you think Fogel and McLeod are the long-term answers top six wingers from Doug? Well, Doug, I'd be, I'd be hesitant to say the, uh, the long-term answer. You know what? Ride the heater right now. It's great. That line is playing exceptionally well. But when I watched the L.A. game, the void of Evander Kane in the lineup was extremely noticeable. L.A.'s a big, heavy team. Edmonton isn't that big or heavy up front. And without Kane, it's much less. For me, Evander Kane is in my top six come playoff time. So, um, now, could they? here's the advantage you have right now. That's the regular season. You know what? That's where you can experiment. You can try some different things. You find different matchups that maybe work for you. And you know what? I, I, I'm not splitting up Fogel, McLeod, and Drysaddle anytime soon. I'll say that. But I also, when Dylan Holloway returns and he's close, I wouldn't mind trying him at center either. I have no issue with it. I, I don't, uh, Dylan Holloway can fly. He's big. Him and Kane on the line. I would try that. Why not? So I think Kane and Holloway, when they're healthy, that's a, that's a big addition of speed, physicality, and obviously uh, finishing skill in Kane that adds to your lineup that wasn't there against the LA Kings. And the orders, you know what? They had a sluggish first period. Stuart Skinner played excellent, as you'll need from your goalie. And then the orders came back. They dominated the second, had some good chances in the third. I thought it was a little closer in the third. But Edmonton, if you want to give him a slight advantage, I won't argue. And then, of course, they won in the shootout. But Evander Kane, for me, still come playoff time. Playoff hockey's different. I would want him in my top six if it's me. So we'll see where it goes from here. But, you know, it's great that Fogel and McLeod, hey, you want them to gain confidence. So imagine if all of a sudden... You know, they continue their confidence in the third line in the playoffs. They were a pretty good third line last year. Don't forget that. Pretty good third line. 217, uh, we'll talk about matchups. The uh, Philadelphia Flyers, who uh, who you don't see very often. What are the matchups we're going to see tonight? We'll find out next on the Jason Greger Show, presented by Play Alberta. Dotsie Live, Sports 1440, and Orders Nation YouTube. Oh, con man, little boys to men. South Philly. Ooh, I like it. Not only is the band from there, are you suggesting that the uh, Flyers this season have uh, gone from uh, boys to men? Not many people have the uh, Flyers expected to be in the position that they're in right now. Now, I know it's only half the season. There's a long way to go. But the Flyers currently sit in uh, second place in the uh, Metro Division with two games in hand on Carolina, I should say. Uh, one up on the uh, Islanders and uh Three up on the uh, surprising Washington Capitals. Although the, uh, I still think the Capitals are uh, are coming back down to earth. Even their coaches said that they can't score goals. So it's uh, it's difficult to win when you can't score goals. Now, let's go around the NHL. Brought to you by McDonald's and the new hot honey. McCrispy is in stores now for a limited time. Juicy tender seasoned chicken, shredded lettuce, crispy jalapenos, and hot honey sauce. Try one today. At McDonald's, says uh, Charlie O'Connor from uh, Philly Sports, joins us. Uh, that's PHLY. Uh, Charlie, how you doing, my man? Happy New Year. Hey, Happy New Year to you, too. Um, the, uh, the Flyers, oh, man, man. Uh, they, they have one of the, uh, 
uh, least forgiving fan bases, extremely loyal, but also uh, can be uh, can be rather hard on their team. Uh, the Flyers this year have been, man, their fans are loving them. Like their work ethic is off the charts. Uh, they don't necessarily wow you offensively, but man, are they hard to score on. So uh, kind of break down what has gone right for the Flyers. Why, why have they become so consistent defensively? Well, I think it's a lot of things. Um, number one, I really think this is uh, the explanation is they got Sean Leterrier back. And last year, you know, obviously he missed the entire year last season due to double back surgeries. He missed half of the previous year. And they've really missed a number one center. And this is a guy who, before the injuries, was, you know, a consistent contender for the Selkie Trophy. And Couturier has come back. His offense maybe hasn't fully come back around to where it was pre-injury. But the defensive play, the, the ability to uh, to control play at 5-on-5 five five when he's on the ice, that's been back in full force. And it's kind of had a trickle-down effect on the rest of the roster. Um, also, the defense, the, the blue line core, is just a lot better than I think anyone, including myself, anticipated. You had um, Travis Sanheim had a terrible season last year by his own admission. He really didn't click with John Tortorella, but he's had a major bounce-back season in a big-minutes role, basically taking the, the job that was vacated by uh, by Ivan Provorov when they moved him in the offseason. And then in that Provorov deal, they picked up Sean Walker, uh, who was essentially a cap dump for L.A. in that three-team deal. And Walker's done a really good job of solidifying that second pair. So you know, going into the year, I looked at their, their blue line core, and I didn't see one above-average defensive pairing that they could make out of the guys they have. Now they have two. Okay. And then the third pair has been kind of a work in progress. So you know, if you're looking at the players they have, the the return of Couturier, the the reemergence of Sanheim, and the the surprise, uh, really strong play by Sean Walker. I think it's really had a trickle down effect on the roster as a whole, and it's why they've exceeded expectations both defensively and just overall. Do you think Walker his play is sustainable? You know, you're already seeing it drop off a little bit over the last few weeks. I believe he only has one point, um, or only had one point in December. Um, So I do think he's dropping off a bit. However, I I think it's sustainable to a degree, to be sure, because I think – his he's always been a very aggressive-minded defenseman. I interviewed him for a feature a few months ago, and he said, you know, he enjoys playing offense more than he enjoys playing defense, which isn't something you usually hear from a defenseman that has never scored a ton of points at the NHL level. But he's really thrived in in John Tortorella's system, and John Tortorella all season long has been you know, kind of begging his defensemen to, to take risks, to, to, to pinch, to uh, to attack, to kill plays in the neutral zone. And I think that's really fit with the way that Sean Walker has always wanted to play. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know if he's ever played on a team that's allowed him to do pretty much exactly what he naturally wants to do at all times. So while I don't think that, you know, he was scoring a lot of points in the beginning of the year. I never thought that I was going to keep up. He had a couple of shorthanded goals, which again, like not exactly something that's terribly sustainable. I do, however, think that he fits really well in terms of what John Twitterell wants his defenseman to do. And because of that, you know, I expect the second pair that he's on, he's been on a pair with, with Nick Sealer pretty much since the start of the year. I expect that pair to continue to be solid. And that's a lot more than I think anybody really expected from Sean Walker after, uh, you know, after again, LA essentially gave him away in the summer. Yeah. Um, you look at uh, at the rest of their defense. Uh, Rasmus Ristolainen, uh, the other day I read in an interview, he's like, man, I wish I would have had a coach like this when I was younger. 
uh, talking about John Tortorella, who is never one to shy away. And I know that Reese Linen's missed 20 games. Uh, so far this season, but how has he looked when he played? Has it been a noticeable improvement for him? Yeah, yeah, I would say so. And and I've long been a Rasmus Ristolainen skeptic. Um, you know, dating back to his time in uh, in Buffalo, um, I'm a, I'm definitely a believer in the importance of advanced metrics, and he's always been awful by them. And when the Flyers offered a first round pick and more to get him a few years ago. I, I thought it was a, a really misguided decision. It was dreaming on on the, the idea of Rasmus Ristolainen rather than what he actually is as a player. And I think really this improvement started last season. It started under Bradshaw, uh, one of Torrell's assistant coaches who manages the defense and the penalty kill. Um, they kind of have worked to remake Rasmus Ristolainen's game. You know, when he was in Buffalo, he was a point producer. He was a big minutes guy. He, you know, he finished with over 40 points a year. And people loved how, you know, oh man, he always has the big hits. But what they were missing was he was taking himself out of position with a lot of those big hits. And, you know, he was on the ice for tons of goals against, tons of scoring chances against. And I think what Tortorella and Brad Shaw recognized with Rissa Lyon is that, you know, we have the, we have the, the skill set here for a guy to be a really, really good defense-centric defenseman. He's big. He can skate well for his size. He's imposing. He hits. He's got a, he's got a, you know, obviously good reach because he's a big guy. And for whatever reason, his previous coaches have just kind of let him do whatever he wanted on the ice and let him kind of run around and just try to kill people. And you saw it last year. He remade his game into being a quality, defensively oriented defenseman. And it's just continued this season. Uh, has he been incredible? No, I don't think he's been an incredible defenseman. I don't think he's worth the $5.1 million cap that the Flyers have him on. But he's turned himself into a really, really good, like, I guess, role player. He, he's functioned very well in his role. He's a good defensive defenseman now who, when he's on the ice, he's going to prevent bad things from happening. And that, that speaks to, in my opinion, a lot of the work that, that Brad Shaw and John Tortorella did with him, but also the, the work that Rissa Linen has, has done. Because let's be honest, it's not easy for guys to change their entire game at age you know, 27, 28 years old. And Rissa Linen proved open to the coaching. And as you mentioned, he straight up said he wished he had John Tortorella as his coach at the beginning of his career, maybe because then he wouldn't have you know, gotten crushed by advanced metrics for the first six, seven years of his career in Buffalo because they just chose not to coach him. Charlie O'Connor joins us, uh, Flyers in town tonight. And, uh, Charlie, we will see uh, Carter Hart in between uh, the pipes. But, man, it has been, uh, it's been a litter a litter, literal uh, split 50-50 here. Uh, Urson and Hart tonight, uh, they'll both each have started nine of the last 18 games. And you know, Samuel Urson has, I, I don't know if coming out of nowhere is fair because I'll be honest, I didn't watch the Flyers organization depth chart that closely from out here. But has he come out of nowhere or was this kind of expected that people thought he was ready to, to take on some more starts this year? Well, you know, he was good last year. Um, his his overall metrics at the end of the season didn't look great, but a lot of that was because there was one game they left him in for the entire game in New Jersey. I remember I covered it, and it was basically a game where the team just didn't have it. He was under a deluge of scoring chances, and Carter Hart just was gassed. He had played a bunch of games, so they basically had Harrison just sort of eat all the goals against, and that made his full season numbers not look as good as they actually were. But, no, he was good last year, and it's not even that, he, that he's – 
come out of nowhere over in North America. He was a pretty impressive goalie in Sweden. Um, he, he had put up incredible numbers in the in the Allsvenskan um, as a prospect, and then um, eventually his final season in the SHL, he played for a team that was one of the, the weakest defensive teams in a long time over there, and he more or less just kept them in games. So I think he was the kind of guy where, you know, if you were paying close attention to the Flyers system, and obviously the Flyers organization was paying close attention to him, you would have had higher expectations than I think the hockey world at large had of him. That said, you still have to go out there and do it at a higher level. And obviously the NHL is of a higher level than the SHL and, and the Allsvenskan and the AHL for that matter. And thus far, Harrison's done a really good job. Again, you have his early starts are kind of dragging down his, uh, you know, his, his, his box score numbers, his, his full season save percentage. But really, ever since the start of November, he's been a really, really solid NHL goalie. And I can tell you the Flyers organization, you know, there are people in the organization that very much think that Sam Harrison has the ability to be you know, a legitimate, above-average starting NHL goalie. So to them, this might not come as that much of a surprise. But to the hockey world at large, to be sure. Yeah, okay, that's fair. So you look at, at Urson and Hart, and you know, I think their defensive system, Kevin Woodley's on all the time. It does help for sure if, if your goaltender isn't facing high danger chances all over the ice. So that's helping them. But how much of this is on the goalies in your eyes? And they're just they're doing their job and playing well regardless that it's not just the system in front of them. I, I think it's it's a little bit of both. I will say over the last couple of weeks and we'll see if this plays out tonight, the Flyers defense has slipped a little bit and the goaltending has kind of picked them up. Airson's had some really strong games. Carter Hart, who gets the start at net tonight, he's had some really strong games as well. So I do think maybe in the first month or so of the season, it was more the defense than the goalies. I think Flyers are making a few more mistakes in their own zone, uh, on the forecheck, in the neutral zone. It's leading to more high-quality scoring chances, and now I think the goalies are legitimately starting to pick them up. So you know, we'll see if that lasts. Uh, I'm not you know, going to proclaim that, that Carter Hart or Sam Harrison, that either of them are, are Vesna-quality goalies at this point of their career, so we'll see if their strong play continues. But at least in the here and now, I think the goaltending has been, has been a legitimate strength for the Flyers, to be sure. Looking ahead to the matchups tonight, uh, they're taking on the Edmonton Orders. Uh, they've won five in a row. Obviously, you have McDavid on one line. You have uh, Drysaddle on the other. Charlie, uh, John Tortorella, when he's on the road, uh, d- does he push? Like, is, is he going to really push to try to get Couturier out against McDavid? Well, I can tell you the, the first matchup that uh, that these two teams had early in the year, he definitely pushed to, to get Couturier out there. Now, obviously, it's easier to do so when you're at home versus the road. My guess is, yeah, he'll, he'll do his best. Uh, there will be situations where he won't be able to, you know, particularly, uh, you know, for face-offs and whatnot. But, yeah, I remember interviewing Tortorella after the game because this was, you know, only, I guess, three games into the season, three or four. So it was very early into Couturier's comeback from the double back surgeries. And I asked him, you know, was there any pause in your head to, to giving Couturier the matchup against McDavid, given the fact that he was still trying to get himself back into the swing of things? And Tortorella basically said that if I don't put Couture out there for that shift, that he's just going to be staring at me and all, all angry at me for not putting me out there. So based on that answer, my guess is that he's going to do everything he can to uh, to keep Sean Couture from being frustrated that he's not out there against Conor McDavid. Okay. What about D pairs? Does, will he, is there one that he would like, or with the two top centers, he'll just kind of run uh, you know, kind of a split duo between his top four? 
Yeah, they've. I would say it's mostly been the top four. I mean, Travis Sanheim is their clear-cut number one. That said, Cam York is still a young defenseman, and he's been the other guy on that top pair. So I wouldn't necessarily expect Tortorella to hard match that top pair against, um, you know, against the McDavid line at all times. I think he'll kind of split it between, um, you know, between the Sanheim York pairing and then the the Sealer Walker pairing, which has also been quite good. Um, they know, I mean, as, as impressive as Travis Sanheim has been this year, and he has been, he's had a, a pretty darn good year, I think they know that they don't have a traditional shutdown number one do-it-all defenseman, that he's just not, he's not that guy. So because of that, they do have to kind of split the matchups a bit more than teams that have, you know, a, a Victor Hedman or something. Flyers don't have that. So I would expect the D pairs to be to do a little bit of uh, shutdown by committee in terms of how they're deployed. Oh. All right, Charlie, we really appreciate the rundown. We're looking forward to it tonight. Have a great day. All right, thanks. It's uh, Charlie O'Connor joining us uh, out of Philly as the uh, Flyers in town tonight, their lone visit in Edmonton. There's lots of Flyer fans. I, I, I'll say this. You watch uh, at the game tonight, they're the Flyer fans of the orange jerseys, by the way. They're one of my favorite jerseys. I really like the Flyers jersey colors. I like the uh, the logo. I think it's pretty solid. Uh, they are not a team that's necessarily going to wow you offensively, but they work extremely hard. And uh, the Orders, uh, first game at home since a, a six-game road trip where they won the last five. I know it was, it was split up in between with the uh, the Christmas break, but it's been a while since they've been at home. And uh, maybe not as bad because it was Christmas break, so you get four or five days off, so it's probably different, I would think, from getting home and seeing your kids and everything compared to a, a normal six-game road trip that usually are gone for two consecutive weeks. But uh, Edmonton is still not in a playoff spot. They're getting closer all the time. They're playing quite well. And uh, all I know is the uh, Flyers will be, uh, they'll be ready to work. If the Orders uh, work as hard as the Flyers, they should win because they have more skill. Definitely more finishing skill. And it'll be uh, Skinner versus Hart in goal tonight. Uh, good matchup of uh, two local boys who uh, used to battle each other uh, going back to, man, minor hockey days. U11, U13, U15, into the WHL. They've uh, battled each other uh, all the way through. So should be good. 237, we've got a lot of texts. Some people saying that, you know what, uh, uh, lots of churches they go to, uh, they wear their hats now. Not a lot of people, but some do it. No one's ever said take it off. So it's become a little bit more acceptable. Well, there you go. So I probably could have got away with it, but I didn't. Uh, I didn't want to. So there you go. Hey, guys, uh, I, I wear my hat in church. I take it off for prayers, kind of like the anthem. Well, there you go. Makes sense to me. Why not? Hey, Gregor, the other thing is the name bar in black also looks awesome from Attica. It's true. right? Like that orange jersey on the Flyers, it's a money jersey. Like I'm not a big jersey guy, but if I was, I think that's one I'd want to I'd, I'd want to get one of those. I just like the look of it. It looks good. Uh, we'll come back, uh, talk about a few guys swapping jerseys next on the Jason Greger Show on Sports 1440 Live on Orders Nation YouTube. 243, it's game day. Oilers back at home tonight, taking on the Philadelphia Flyers. Busy slate in the National Hockey League. 13 games tonight. Then the Orders uh, aren't in action until uh, Saturday when they host the Ottawa Senators, who have a new, no, no surprise, but uh, Steve Steos is, uh, was officially announced as their uh, GM. We've been calling this for a few months, so I don't think there's any big surprise to anybody that uh, Steve Steos is the uh, GM of the uh, Senators. Uh, good for him. 
But uh, they they got a lot of work to do in Ottawa. I don't. Um, I didn't have them as a playoff team to start the season because I don't think they play defense well enough, and I think that's obviously been proven. So, what uh, what do they do in in Ottawa? And do, and do they have the right pieces? They're going to have to move out someone. Who's it going to be? Big question. You know what? Then hey, speaking of trades, let's get to the uh, NBA report brought to you by Legacy Heating and Cooling. Home of the no interest, no payments for. One full year right now at LegacyHeating.ca. The uh, Toronto Raptors with a big deal on the uh, the weekend as uh, R.J. Barrett, the Canadian, is coming home along with uh, Emmanuel quickly as uh, they come in. And uh, O.G. Ananobi, the uh, the main piece going out to the New York Knicks to, uh, to break down this trade. Josh Lundberg from uh, TSN joins us. And uh, Josh hadn't heard many uh, rumblings about this trade in particular at all. So uh, a little bit of a surprise, but not a major one that OG Ananobi got dealt. It kind of hurt his name out there as a possibility for a while. Yeah, I mean, first of all, I agree. I think it was definitely a surprise, more so because of the timing. I agree. We'll get to Ananobi in a second. I think the timing of it, it was interesting too, because it's not often we see trades, certainly not big trades happen this early in the year, normally it's closer to the February trade deadline. So that tells us a couple of things. I mean, first of all, the Raptors clearly liked the offer that they got from New York. That was clearly the, the, the offer that they were targeting. And I think what I've heard quickly in particular is the player that they were targeting. That was the sticking point for them. So once he was included in that deal from New York, the Raptors jumped on it. It also tells you that they're probably not done, right? They've got now roughly five weeks to listen to other offers, potentially for Pascal Siakam and Gary Trent Jr. or others, and figure out what they're going to do next. I think the roster looks a lot more... um, It looks like it makes a lot more sense now than it did a week ago, but at the same time, it doesn't make complete sense still. I I still think this is a work in progress. So they've got the time now to let this breathe a little bit and see where to go from here. But yeah, in, in terms of Ananobi, I do think that was a bit of a surprise for me anyway, too, just because... Like we, we've certainly heard his name out there over the last couple of years. It was he was one of the most coveted players in the NBA. But the fact that his name kept coming up in, in rumors is more a reflection of how many other teams were chasing after him and throwing his name out there, as opposed to the Raptors being open to do. So. One size fits all seems like a good idea for clothes until you try them on. Same goes for healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. Learn more at uh1.com. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have 
and Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. If anything, I had heard up until recently that Messiah Jerry was very reluctant to move and an OB, but I think there are a couple things with OG. I mean, we know he was he's going to be a free agent over the summer. So the Raptors, it was always going to come down to whether or not, one, they believe they could re-sign him. And OG, of course, is famously hard to read, so who knows. And two, can you justify paying the amount of money it's going to end up costing in order to re-sign him? If the answer to either of those questions were no, then they have to move him. For, for something to avoid obviously losing him for nothing like they did Fred Van Leet. And I think like if it was going to be something, it was either going to be for a hall of draft picks, which clearly they didn't want to do because mm-hmm. those offers had been out there even dating back to last year at the trade deadline. They don't want to rebuild. They made that clear. They want to retool around Scotty Barnes. And if that was the direction, if that is the direction, then this trade, I think this package that comes back with quickly and Barrett, makes a lot of sense for them. You look at, and so I've seen a lot of speculation that this trade, everybody wonders, okay, is Pascal Siakam next, right? Is he the guy that they're going to go and they're going to just say, okay, you know what? We're going to build around um, some younger guys in in Barrett and and obviously um, Scotty Barnes and and the guy that a lot of people think quickly might end up being the the key part of the trade. We'll get to that in a second. But uh, where do you come out on Siakam getting dealt? And if he does, what do you think they're looking for in return for him? Yeah, I'm not sure it's a foregone conclusion as some people seem to think that it is. I mean, granted, the fact that they just got younger doesn't seem to bode well for the player that's going to turn 30 before the end of the season. But at the same time, I mean, there's a few things here. One is that I've heard there's been no traction on a Siakam deal and nothing is imminent. And then also, I look at the track record of this front office and Masai Ujiri, And remember, it was 10 years ago when they made the Rudy Gay trade and everyone just assumed that Kyle Lowry would be the next up the door. And he nearly was. They had that trade lined up with, coincidentally, the Knicks before it fell through. But what Masai did at that point was he let things breathe. He waited to see how the new guys would mesh with the old guys and how the team would do. And ultimately, when they were successful... He scrapped plan A, which was to trade Lowry. He called an audible, kept that group together. So he's shown that he's willing to keep an open mind in these situations. And honestly, that's what I'm expecting here. So if that is the case, this is going to be a really important stretch coming up, especially considering how difficult the schedule is with the next six games on the road, on the West Coast. But I honestly think like how this team meshes together, how they do coming up here, could determine what happens next. But I'll also say just in regards to Siakam, now because December 30th has passed, teams that would acquire him can only sign him to a maximum of two years in an extension as opposed to four years, which would have been the case up until the 30th. I don't see him signing a two-year extension, meaning if you're a team looking to trade for him and you don't have any certainty in regards to whether or not he'd be sticking around or be a a rental for a few months, you're probably reluctant to give up serious assets for him. And again, Ujiri made it clear, like he's not having a fire sale here. He's not looking to give guys away, especially Siakam, who we we know he thinks very, very highly of, as he should. Siakam, he proved again last night, 
at minimum a top 30 player in the NBA. So my point here is that, like, if they're not going to get the assets for him to justify making the move, and I don't know that those assets are out there or that there's a team out there willing to give up those assets, then I don't think they do it just for the sake of doing it. I, I honestly think there's a realistic shot here that he gets extended in the near future, or if not, like maybe they take this into the offseason and look to re-sign him there. That's not to say that they won't look to move him eventually, but I, I just think his value and his trade market is going to be much better when he's attached to a long-term contract as opposed to now as a pending free agent. Josh Lewinberg uh, joins us from uh, TSN uh, talking uh, Raptors and the and the deal. And, you know, when it first came down, everybody's like, okay, yeah, R.J. Barry's Canadian. You know, it's a really good story. It's probably a good marketing ploy, but Man, the more I read up on Emmanuel quickly, a lot of people think this guy might end up being kind of the key point uh, in this trade for Toronto moving forward. Uh, where do you come out on quickly, and where do you think he's going to fit in? Yeah, he's certainly the centerpiece of the deal for the Raptors. Like, for, for them, this was the sticking point of the deal. The trade would not have happened if, if not for Emmanuel quickly. And I just think, like, when you're making a deal like this, you're looking to get younger, you're not looking to rebuild, so you're not asking for draft picks necessarily. You're looking for a player that is on the cusp, right? Like, you're looking for an up-and-comer, a guy who maybe with a bigger opportunity or a change of scenery or different role or whatever it is, is right on the cusp of breaking out. And... I mean, certainly the Raptors feel like Emmanuel quickly is that guy, but they're not alone. Like, they're not an island here in, in, in being a Emmanuel quickly fan. Like, you, you talk to evaluators around the league, and, and he's one of the first names that comes up because of what he's done here over the last few years. I mean, he has maxed out that role. He has proven everything he needs to prove as a sixth man. He, he was the runner-up in six-man voting last year. You look at his first 36 minute numbers, certainly this season, and their starter, starter caliber. You look at what he did in 21 spot starts last year, and they were, and it was very impressive. The question now is, is he ready for the full-time gig? And he's going to get that opportunity here in Toronto. Like, that, that's clear. I think it was pretty clear the moment the trade was made, but if there was ever any doubt, even in terms of, like, how long it would take for him to, for them to put him in that role, like, last night was a pretty good indicator of that because it would have been super easy for Darko Ryakovich to say, all right, like, these guys just got into town. They've been through a whirlwind over the last few days. They're just learning the plays and meeting their new te- teammates. We're going to ease them in and bring them off the bench, certainly for their first game. But I mean, they could have done that for the first couple games, and I don't think anyone would have been too surprised. But the fact that both of those guys – quickly and Barrett were in the starting line and both of them played at least 28 minutes were on the floor late in the fourth quarter I mean that speaks to the level of commitment that this organization has in those guys they're going to have big roles this year they're going to have big roles moving forward quickly by the way is a uh, restricted free agent at the end of this season but if you're the Raptors like you, you don't make this deal unless you have a pretty good idea of what it's going to take to bring him back because he's restricted you, you obviously have more control. They can match any contract that he gets in free agency. So he's going to be back next year. I mean, OG and OB would have been an unrestricted free agent. And I think that's the idea that that's what scared yeah. them after the Van Vliet situation. So, yeah, th- this deal gave them a bit more control over what, what this team is going to look like moving forward. It makes a bit more sense next to the 22-year-old Scotty Barnes just in t- terms of age, timeline, and all of that stuff. So, 
yeah, I, I mean, I think there are a lot of reasons to be excited about Emmanuel quickly. What do you make of this trade from the Knicks standpoint? Uh, they obviously got to re-sign OG Ananobi for this trade to make much sense. Yeah, and it's the same situation there. I mean, obviously, like I was saying, he's not restricted, so they don't have that same kind of control. But you don't make a trade like this unless, one, you intend to re-sign the guy, and two, that you have a pretty good idea that you, you will re-sign the guy. I, I mean, Ananobi has, it sounds like, made it pretty clear in the past that not necessarily that he, he wants to play in New York, but certainly that he's open to it. And that's one of the places where he, he's kind of targeted, I, I think. And, and it, the connection with the agency as well, CAA and Leon Rose at the Knicks, like, I, I think he probably have a pretty good idea of what it's going to take, the price tag to re-sign a guy like that. Um, yeah, I mean, for them, I think that this could potentially go down as a win-win. I mean, quickly was never going to get a bigger role in New York. It was just not going to happen with Jalen Brunson blocking him and Tom yeah. Thibodeau showing no willingness really to play the two small guards together. So the missing piece for them was a two-way big wing player, and they get that in OG Ananobi. I think Precious Achua helps a little bit too because they lost Mitchell Robinson for the year. Um, so I, I'm not happy for OG. I think this is a good opportunity for him. And I also think just like based on the spotlight there, first of all, we know he's not going to be phased by it just based on his personality, and that's great. But also, like, th there's a lot of attention on him now, and I think that's going to bode well for a guy who didn't necessarily get the credit that he deserved for being the defender that he is for all these years with the Raptors. He's going to get that now with the Knicks. Um, one last one for you. You look at the, at the NBA overall. And, you know, we, we see where coming up, uh, I guess kind of getting close to the, uh, to the midway point of the season. Wh which team has been your biggest surprise, either positively or negatively? And you can't say Detroit. <laughs> <laughs> I am a little bit surprised by Detroit. I'm not, that's not going to be my answer, but I, I didn't think they would be this bad. I'm not sure that anyone did. They were one of those teams. And I mean, Dwayne Casey, former Raptors coach, is still involved in the front office there. I remember talking to him before the season and hearing him talk about how excited he was about all the young pieces there. And I was thinking, like, all right, like, yeah, they're not going to be a playoff team, but they could be one of those interesting, young, up-and-coming teams. And obviously that has not been the case until and unless the Raptors went to that building. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I, I think certainly Minnesota is one of them in the Eastern Conference, sorry, in the Western Conference. And I remember they were in Toronto on opening night. They played the Raptors. The Raptors beat them, held them under 100 points, which is not something that the Raptors have been doing to teams recently. Yeah. So pretty much been all downhill since that game. I remember thinking, like, oh, I don't know if this is going to work. And there's always been that kind of reluctance with them since they paired Carl Anthony Towns and Rudy Gobert kind of going against the grain in the NBA with the trend of, of playing small and having shooters on the floor. They kind of did the opposite. And there's just so much depth, so much talent in the Western Conference that I was thinking, like, this might be the odd team out, and it's been anything but. Yeah. Anthony Edwards has taken the next step. He's looked great. It's kind of worked really well with the two bigs, and they've got some good depth. They're well coached. Chris Finch doing a good job there. And, um, yeah, they, they look like the team to beat in the Western Conference right now. In the East, I would say Indiana has been a, a pleasant surprise. They've been a lot of fun to watch. Not a lot of defense going on there, but certainly one of the best offensive teams we've ever seen. 
Josh, great stuff as always, man. Happy New Year to you, and uh, we'll talk again soon. All right, Jason. Take care, man. Talk soon. That's uh, Josh Lewenberg joining us from uh, TSN in Toronto. Uh, I like that pick because uh, Minnesota is a huge one. And then you look at the uh, the Lakers and the Golden State Warriors. They don't obviously Golden State was was a dominant team for a long time, but man, they they look like a shadow of themselves right now. And you know, I, I wonder, you know, what what can they redo? What can they do there? Like Clay Thompson, just he's not. I don't know if he's ever coming back. He doesn't look close to the player that he was. He has uh, aged quickly in Golden State. Injuries uh, maybe playing a, a factor in that for sure. Um, you know, we'll see Memphis now that they got their best player back. Uh, is it enough? They're going to have to go on a real big run to catch the Lakers, who currently are in uh, in tenth place, the uh, the final of the uh, the play-in spots in the NBA. The uh, East, man, it's pretty wide open. Uh, you know, you've got your top three teams: the Celtics, the Bucks, and the Seventy Sixers. And then after that, it's it's pretty tight. You know, you get to Cleveland, New York, Indiana. They're probably all still going to get in, but then you know, there's really the Nets and the Bulls, the Hawks, the Raptors, all battling for the uh, ninth and tenth chance. And I know that Miami did last year. Once like, see, anything can happen. Well, yeah, sure, anything can happen, but I still think it's it's rare for sure. Coming up after uh, three o'clock, Sean Brown will uh, join us. Talk about um, you know. Post Christmas return skates. How? Uh, what's the best way to get back in the uh, swing of things? Uh, the orders, of course, taking on the Philadelphia Flyers tonight. The orders are rolling. McLeod and Fogle rolling. Stuart Skinner's played excellent. There's not a lot to dislike about the orders team right now. Everything's rolling, and uh, even you know they're getting some good news. Uh, Dylan Holloway's close to returning. Uh, Sam Gagne, which then means they'll have to make some decisions uh, on the roster. So uh, we'll get to those and more after the con man and a sports 1440 update brought to you by BIE engineering, specializing in all your residential, commercial and industrial structural engineering needs. Go to BIEENG.com. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.